probably hard to combine both those topics into a sermon, but something that hits even generally on missions or ministry would be good. To which I thought, real flexible, John. (laughs) It's not flexible at all. But then I did realize a couple of days later that Genesis 12 would fit both of those things. And so at the kind of beginning, the, the first point this morning will be about Wes's call to ministry, like Abraham was called. And then the rest of the sermon will be focusing on, on missions as you are in your missions month. So if you have a Bible, I invite you please to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We'll be in verses 1 through 3 of Genesis 12 this morning. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Amen. This is God's holy and inspired word, and he's given it to us that we might know him, love him, and learn how to live in light of his love for us. Let me pray, and then we'll jump into the text. Our Father in heaven, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so we ask that you speak life into our hearts, that you fill our minds with truths, that we may love you and love our neighbors enough to tell them about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I like to give my main point up front. So for you note takers, here's my main point this morning. Christians are blessed to be a blessing. John said that to the children up front. Christians are blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed his people so that we could be a blessing to the nations. God has blessed the church so that we would be a blessing to those who are not blessed like we are blessed. So Jordan Valley Church, you have been blessed. You have been blessed with all of the things that the kids came up with earlier. But most importantly, you have been blessed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that has called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light of our King. And then your call, your responsibility, all of us, individually, corporately for sure, but individually, is then to be a blessing to the nations. There's a corporate aspect, and since you have a missions month, I gather that you're doing really well, or at least pretty well. You probably have some things you can improve on as a church, like we all do. But you have a missions month and you long to see pastors raised up, the lost reached all around the globe. But how are you doing individually in blessing others, blessing the nations since you've been blessed? How are you doing giving your candy away? Let's let that hang for a little while. I'll return to that at the end. Let's look at verse one. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, from your people and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. There's a commentator by the name of Derek Kidner that says of this verse, the history of redemption, like that of creation, begins with God speaking. And this in a nutshell is what differentiates Abram from his father. 
God spoke all things into existence. And as your bulletin says about the preached word, God also speaks and recreates all things into the image of Christ. And God speaking to Abram is what differentiates him from everybody who came before him, including his, his father. He spoke to Abram. He called Abram. And later we know in Genesis 15 and afterwards that God enters into a covenant relationship with Abram. And you may remember that he was 75 years old and married to a barren woman when God appears to him and blesses him and promises to make him a great nation. So God coming to Abraham, God's initiation launches a new and incredibly significant uh, advancement of God's plan for his people. Abram was an idol worshiper before this living in his father's tent at 75 years old with no children. And God comes and says, you will be my chosen servant to bless the whole of the nations. And the place that Abraham goes is significant, although we don't have time, I want to address this, this land for just a moment. The land itself was significant. God always has a land for his people. Garden of Eden, promised land. Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, all these men are looking for this promised land. And when they finally get it, and they fall into gross idolatry, what happens when they're exiled? They always long for this land. And so God has promised to be with his people in this land. But in order for Abram in Genesis 12 to go to that land, he has to leave everything that he knows. Everything that he's ever known, 75 years under his father's authority, he has to leave. And make no mistake, brothers and sisters, that leaving is one of the hardest things that any missionary will ever do. You support the peaches. The peaches, Mark and Melissa and their children, are counting the cost of leaving Utah right now. Their prayer requests are often centered around this difficulty of we want to be there, but yet we're leaving so much. It is, it is costly. It is costly to respond to the call to go. But the reward for obedience is greater. Faith-filled obedience in response to God's call is never easy, but it is always worth it. So the history of redemption begins with God speaking to, to Abram, and we call this God's call to Abraham, God's call to Abram. He calls him into this unique relationship. And so as we think about the call that we all have, the call from God to embrace, to receive, to appropriate the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're all called in some specific ways, all called to be a blessing. And as we think about this unique event that's happening today with Wes being installed as the associate pastor at Jordan Valley Church, we ought to remember that there's a cost. I want you all to remember the cost of the Holmes family. I want you to remember the cost to the Stoddard family. Now look, wherever God has you in your life, wherever he has had you, or he will have you, you all have costs in life as well. So, so don't hear me say that these, these families are like 
you know, unique in all these specific ways. We all have costs in life. But as Sean prayed, Wes and John will take bullets for you. There's a cost. To that. There's a cost to their wives. There's a cost to their family. And they've counted that cost. And they will bear that cost. Pastoral ministry has unique costs. What can you do? You can love them. You can pray for them. You can be thankful for them because there are unique things that they will go through on your behalf and you'll never know that they're happening. So pray for them. If you're a praying person, pray daily. Write it down to pray for Wes and Julie and for John and Lisa and their families. Now listen, pastoral ministry is one of the greatest joys of life. So, so don't see the tears as asking you for a pity party. But pray. Love them. Serve them when you can because they've given up their lives to serve you. Now Wes, to you, when the going gets tough, and it probably already has, You've been called. Remember your call. If you've got nothing left, remember your call. And church, make it easy for him to remember his call, would you? Do all you can to help him remember his call with joy and ease as he labors on your behalf and for you and with you. So all we've done is verse one. Let's look at verses two and three this morning. Abraham says, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever will curse you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth shall be blessed through you. Now we need to recognize that someone's name at this point in history was always tied up with their family. Okay? So Abram's dignity, his identity, his worth, his value would be connected to his father. He is Abram bar Terah. He is, he is connected to his dad, Terah. And so think about how Abram would probably, in his moments of weakness from this time of his call in Genesis 12 to the time that Isaac is born, the child of the promise, 25 years, think of the times when Abram would, think, would say or think things like this. Some great nation I am, God. I don't even have one kid. Some great land we've got, Lord, there's a famine here and I can't even live here anymore. Some great name I've got, I have my wife who's barren and some servants. Some blessing you've given me, here I go, walking down to Egypt yet one more time. Right? What I'm trying to get you to see is that Abram is a man just like, just like you. And if you're a woman, he's a lot like you too. And that he's, he's, he's full of faith. At times he's full of doubt. He's a sinful man that's been redeemed by Christ and that he's at war with his old man. Explicitly in Genesis 17, God comes to him and renews his covenant and introduces the covenant sign of circumcision. And God says, or Abram says to God, Oh, that my son Ishmael would, would live before you. Ishmael, the son whom he had not with his wife, but with his wife's servant, taking matters into his own hands. Right? He's a man of faith, but he's a mixed bag of faith. Filled with good things by God's grace, but he didn't always get it right. But praise be to God that despite our failures, God always gets it right. 
God chose the right man despite his wayward faith. And I bring that up because I want to draw attention to the I wills in our text. There are six I wills in verses two and three. He's saying, I will do particular things. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And then there's an I will give you the land in verse one. So there's seven I wills, seven things that God is going to do. So despite Abram having a propensity to take matters into his own hands, he is safely all the while in the almighty hand of God. And God will make sure that he fulfills all of his promises. Not because of Abraham, but because he's the good, the good promise keeper. Every promise God makes, he keeps. And so God says, I'm going to bless you for the purpose of being a blessing for the nations. He fails but God's plan never fails. His faith was counted to him as righteousness, and he obediently left all that he knew at God's word and by God's command. I've been talking for a few minutes now about blessing, but I haven't told you what blessing is. I want us to understand what biblical blessing is for a few minutes. The point that I'm trying to make in Genesis 12 is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Well, we need to know what blessing is. Let me tell you what blessing is not first. Have you ever seen the, the Christmas, um, the Oprah Winfrey Christmas show? Right? Okay, so if you haven't, Oprah Winfrey, at least in years past, she has brought in all kinds of gifts. A bread maker, um, a, a an Egyptian thousand thread set of sheets for your bed, all these really nice things, and she brings them up on stage, and then she says, everybody gets these, and everybody just loses their minds, right? All these expensive things. Well, one year, I don't know if she does this every year, it was about 20 years ago, the very last gift was this small box wrapped beautifully. And here come all of these people on the Oprah Winfrey show, and they're passing it out to everybody in the stands. He says, wait to open it, wait to open it. Okay, everybody open it. And there's, a, there's car keys. And so Oprah's just losing it on the, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. And the, everybody just goes crazy. Is that how biblical blessing is? No. There is absolutely, as the kids illustrated earlier, there is absolutely temporal blessing in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and today. God will bless us often. We are so blessed in America. But biblical blessing goes so much farther than temporal blessing that we cling so close to on this earth. Biblical blessing starts in the garden where God gives good gifts to Adam and Eve. Everything he gave them was a good gift and then he gave them a command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had 999,999 good gifts, but they wanted the one that they weren't supposed to have. And the best gift was God himself, walking with them in the garden in the cool of the day. But because of their choice to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve died, just like God said that they would die, first spiritually, then physically. And to restore blessing, restore the good gifts from God, God had to also then offer grace. 
And he does offer grace. And he promises that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And we know that seed, that, that one to crush the serpent is the God-man Jesus Christ. Now, coming back to Genesis 12, there will always be a seed of the woman. And in Genesis 12, we learn that that seed of the woman is Abram, and that becomes Isaac, and then Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Israel. And under the, the leadership of Moses in Exodus, God gives the good gift of priests. And the priests were there to intercede so that man and God could come to one place, the place where God's glory dwelt, the tabernacle, the temple. And they would come and they would receive blessing from God as they came. Do you remember what that blessing was? Under the Old Testament, Moses gives Aaron and the priests specific ways to bless the people. Do you remember the great Aaronic blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. The place that those words would be given was the tabernacle and the temple. And it was there that they were reminded that God's glory, his face was shining upon them as his chosen people whom he loved. And the blessing culminates in God's face towards them and peace, total well-being. And how do we get total well-being this side of the garden? Where do we get this peace? How can God's face shine upon us and be gracious to us? How can he lift up his countenance upon us? Only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Only through the person of Jesus Christ. God no longer wanted his glory to be associated with a particular place. He wanted his glory to be associated with a particular person. John 1.14 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's best gift he's ever given is Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners, the King of kings, and it's through him that God's face can shine upon us. Do you know him? In a group this size, some of us don't. Have you bowed to him as king? Do you submit to him as Lord? Have you put your hope in the only source of hope for your eternal life? Bow to him today. Receive God's grace today. I'm sure Wes or John or anybody who knows what they look, anybody who looks like they know what they're doing around here would love to talk to you about Jesus after the service. Do not waste another day. Come to the Lord Jesus in faith. Why did I go through all of that? It's supposed to be in Genesis 12. Because Jordan Valley Church, you have a lot to offer the world. You have a lot to offer the world wherever he calls you tomorrow for whatever he calls you to do. But the ultimate gift that you have is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you were never meant to hoard it. You were always meant, you've been recreated that you might give that gift away. You can bless the world in a thousand ways tomorrow, but there is only one way in which you can be a blessing that matters for eternity. And that is by living in light of the blessing that you have received from God in Christ and then giving it away. Now this is the, I'm kind of emphasizing the evangelism aspect of missions right now. You're gonna, you're gonna go somewhere this afternoon. You're gonna go somewhere tomorrow. 
And if, and if the latest Pew research is right, there's somewhere between five to 7% of our population who's Christian. That means almost everyone you meet this week is not gonna be a Christian. And the thing that they need the most is the thing that you've been given in Christ. Be a blessing. Give away this very best gift that you've been given. You've been redeemed by his blood. Tell somebody else about the redemption in Christ's blood. Now I wanna zoom out. I wanna zoom out and talk about the ends of the earth. This, this text is also focusing on the ends of the earth. So, so our evangelism here in Utah desperately needs to hear the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity who left his throne to come and save people from their sin. There's, there's a desperate need here, but there's a desperate need around the globe as well. It's a both and. So can I just say thank you for supporting all of those pastors in Kenya? Thank you for supporting the, Cheek, the Peach family who's going to Ireland? Thank you for supporting the Finlaysons and the other family in Washington whose name I would not dare pronounce in public? Thank you for, for supporting the coppers and loving Utah. God is and he will continue to use those ministries for his glory and the proclamation of the gospel. Thank you. And remember what I want you to take away. I'm going to say it right now and then again at the end. God has blessed the church and now sends the church to be a blessing to those who are not blessed like we are. Now I haven't touched on the idea of I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I think the heart of that is getting at Abram's, uh, the reality that he would need assurance from God in the moments that he was called to be a blessing. What happens if I get there and I fail? What happens if I get to the land and I, I don't do what I'm supposed to do? What happens if I get there and I get beat up? Let's use 21st century language. What if I mess up the gospel presentation? What if I can't remember Romans 3.23 in the moment? What if I don't tell them that they must respond in faith and repentance? I think the text is getting it. God will assure us that since he's called us, he will do the work of converting that person or putting a rock in their shoe. It's not up to us, it's up to him. All we're supposed to do is be faithful. Most importantly than us giving the best proclamation of the gospel is that to realize that God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy and have compassion on whom he will have compassion. I think this is also a foreshadowing of what God will say to, to Jacob when he sends Jacob to Haran in Genesis chapter 28. You probably don't remember those words, so let me tell you what they are. God renews his covenant with Jacob and reminds him, you are my, my covenant leader. And behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. It's God's presence that assures Jacob he will succeed. It's a great word of assurance. Now, is there, any other, is there any other chapter 28 that comes to mind when you're thinking about world missions? Like Matthew 28? This is the very end of Matthew's gospel. 
And Jesus, after his resurrection, calls his disciples to him and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Notice what he doesn't say. Go baptize and teach, and good luck. Godspeed. Do a good job. Memorize Romans. No. He says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so as you emphasize missions for another week at Jordan Valley Church, remember that Jesus is king and he loves his church more than all of us combined to the infinite power. And he has a people for himself through the pastors in Kenya, through the peaches, and everybody else who you support. But our responsibility, every one of us, as individuals, is to either go and make disciples or give to those who will. That's what we're called to do. Either go ourselves or give. Everything else is disobedience. Are you a giver or a goer? Are you a sender? or the sent. Those are the acceptable categories. God has blessed the church, including Jordan Valley Church, and now sends us to be blessing to those who have not yet been blessed like us. Let me read Romans 10, 14 through 15, and I'll be done. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I pray for you, Jordan Valley Church, that the Spirit would be at work in you to know that this is a delightful thing that we're welcomed into. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Will you preach the good news? Or will you support those who have given their lives to do that very thing? Let's pray. Father, we thank you first and foremost that we are not alone. That you have promised your people that you would be with them till the end of the age. And you gave that promise to the great patriarchs in the Old Testament. And so we thank you. We thank you that you have not left us to wonder how it is that we are to be your ambassadors, to be a blessing to those who are not yet blessed the way that we are. And so help us, Lord, give away this good gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Help us willingly devote our lives to seeing the great commission fulfilled in our backyards and to the ends of the earth. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ at Jordan Valley Church. We thank you that we worship Jesus, our King our Lord and our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.